Thank you for joining us today. This is the 25th in the series of podcasts produced by the British Society of Hematology. This podcast covers the guideline on the laboratory diagnosis of iron deficiency in adults and children, but excludes pregnancy with detailed guidance already published by the BSH in this area. This recording is being recorded over Zoom due to the ongoing COVID pandemic, and we apologise for any loss in sound quality that may occur. My name is Dr Andy Fletcher. I'm a consultant haematologist in paediatrics in Newcastle-upon-Tyne hospitals, and have previously been an adult haematologist in Hull University teaching hospitals and a clinical director of the pathology services in that hospital. I have 10 years experience as a consultant haematologist with both adult and paediatric practice and have a significant interest in laboratory medicine. As such, I've brought my extensive clinical and laboratory knowledge and expertise in writing this good practice paper about the laboratory diagnosis of iron deficiency. Today, I'm discussing the recommendations and evidence for these in relation to the laboratory diagnosis of iron deficiency in adults, excluding pregnancy, and in children. In writing the Good Practice paper, we have assessed the use of the full blood count from haemoglobin and other red cell parameters through the investigations of iron stores, including ferritin and other iron studies, the transferrin receptor and other parameters such as zinc protoporphyrin, and also newer techniques such as the measurement of hepcidin and how all of these can be used together in the diagnosis of iron deficiency in the cause of anemia. The laboratory diagnosis of iron deficiency is challenging because iron metabolism and homeostasis is dynamic and no single test can provide an accurate assessment of iron absorption, transport, storage or utilisation. The different assays to assess iron stores are discussed in turn and recommendations are made um, pertinent to practice within the UK. Iron deficiency is the commonest cause of anemia worldwide, with a prevalence in the UK ranging between 0 and 6%, depending on the age and gender of patients, and is higher in menstruating women and patients above the age of 85. The World Health Organization defines anemia as a condition in which the mature red cells and consequent oxygen carrying capacity of these red cells is insufficient to meet the body's needs. In practical terms, the recognized definition of anemia is a hemoglobin concentration below age and gender specific thresholds. These usually equate to roughly 130 grams per litre for adult men and less than 120 grams per litre for adult non-pregnant women. And in the paediatric setting, these values start at less than 110 grams per litre for ages between six and 59 months of age and increase with age. Laboratory tests must be performed in the context of detailed history and examination and an awareness of how results direct onward investigations and management based on national gastroenterological and gynecological guidelines and based on local pathways within local healthcare settings. Firstly, looking at the full blood count and the red cell parameters, these are routinely available 
in all laboratories and across all analyzer platforms. These include the hemoglobin itself, the hematocrit, the MCV, the mean cell volume, the mean cell hemoglobin MCH, the mean cell hemoglobin concentration MCHC, and the red cell distribution with the RDW. The hemoglobin itself defines whether the patient themselves is anemic, and the other indices can help determine the cause of this. The red cell parameters MCV and MCH and MCHG can all be affected by pre-analytical variables such as transport time and temperature. None of these parameters can define and diagnose iron deficiency on their own, but all show a change and reduction in their values suggestive of iron deficiency, but needs complementary tests to diagnose it. Classical iron deficiency causes a microcytic hyperchromic anemia, but this is not specific and is seen in other conditions such as thalassemia. Also, MCV is normal in 40% of unselected patients with iron deficiency anemia or can be seen in those with mixed hematinic deficiencies. Therefore, our recommendations about the full blood count and red cell parameters are that normal red cell indices do not exclude iron deficiency and further investigations may be required. And in the absence of thalassemia, MCV, MCH or MCHC below the normal range could suggest iron deficiency. Newer red cell indices are available on many analyzer platforms, and these include the percentage of hyperchromic red cells, or HRC, the reticulocyte mean hemoglobin content, and reticulocyte hemoglobin equivalent. The principle of these tests is that approximately half the body iron stores are found in the circulating erythrocytes. The methods and nomenclature differ across the analyzer platforms, but a high hyperchromic red cell percentage or low reticulocyte hemoglobin content in the absence of a thalassemia indicate iron is not adequately available to the newly developed red cells due to either iron deficiency or iron restriction. The percentage hyperchromic red cells has different reference intervals across different analyzer platforms, but in each relates to the iron stores across the past three months. Like other red cell indices, it is affected by pre-analytical issues such as transport time to the laboratory and needs assessment within four hours of phlebotomy. The mean reticulocyte hemoglobin content is less dependent on pre-analytical variables and is often considered slightly more useful. Both of these parameters have been shown to predict the response to iron therapy in chronic kidney disease, even in the presence of raised ferritin values. The thresholds used for predicting iron deficiency using mean reticulocyte haemoglobin vary from 25 to 30 picograms. And in patients with malignancies, a value of less than 28 picograms has been shown to predict iron therapy responses. And our recommendation is to use a pragmatic value of 29 picograms to support the diagnosis of iron deficiency in the absence of other tests being conclusive. Looking at the red blood cells themselves morphologically, these do show changes through different stages of iron deficiency from early to late. The early changes include anisocytosis, followed by hyperchromic red blood cells and microcytosis. However, the later changes of elliptocytes, pencil cells and target cells can also be seen. 
the reason for morphological examination of the blood film is to exclude other causes of anemia, including the thalassemias, hemoglobinopathies, myelodysplasia, and other hematinic deficiencies. Our recommendation is that blood films should be examined when there is no clear cause for a patient's anemia. Moving on to the assessment of iron stores themselves rather than the full blood count and red cell parameters. These include ferritin itself, serum iron, total iron binding capacity and serum transferrin receptor, soluble transferrin receptor and also zinc protoporphyrin. Ferritin represents the bulk of protein-bound tissue storage iron and a small proportion leaks out into the plasma and could be quantified by an immunoassay. Levels of less than 15 micrograms per litre predict a high likelihood of iron deficiency, but it has been shown that levels up to 30 micrograms per litre can still be consistent with iron deficiency, though at this level it is less specific. Normal values are not different between children aged less than five compared with children above five or adults. The main drawback of ferritin as a measure of iron stores is that it is an acute phase reactant and levels rise during inflammatory states such as kidney disease, liver disease and malignancy. These variables confound clinical interpretation and this leads to the confusion in the wide normal reference intervals, especially those across different medical conditions. There are some new algorithms and formula to include markers of inflammation such as CRP in correcting ferritin based on underlying medical conditions and inflammation, but these are not well used in normal clinical practice and cannot be recommended as standard care at the current time. With regard to ferritin, our recommendations are that a serum ferritin of less than 12 micrograms per litre in children aged less than five and a value of less than 15 micrograms per litre in those aged greater than five is indicative of iron deficiency. Also, serum ferritin within the laboratory reference range cannot exclude iron deficiency in the context of raised inflammatory markers such as CRP or ESR or a history of acute or chronic disease and further investigation will be warranted. The iron studies themselves, including serum iron, total iron binding capacity, and transferrin saturation are variably useful in the diagnosis of iron deficiency. Serum iron itself measures only the oxidized ferric form bound to transferrin and not the functional iron component of haemoglobin and is affected by the most recent meal a patient has eaten. And if this contains iron, it will be raised. And this is only useful in the calculation of the transferrin saturation and has no other use in clinical practice. Total iron binding capacity and transferrin rise in iron deficiency. However, transferrin is a negative acute phase reactant and is reduced during inflammatory states. Neither of these parameters, TIBC or transferrin, are specific for iron deficiency. A more useful test is the transferrin saturation, and this measures proportion of serum transferrin binding sites occupied with iron molecules. It relies on the serum iron concentration to be calculated, 
demonstrate significant diurnal fluctuations with up to 70% changes in individuals. Clinical disorders such as malnutrition and chronic disease can decrease the transferrin synthesis, therefore increasing the transferrin saturation and reduce its usefulness. However, a diagnostic threshold for transferrin saturation of less than 20% has been shown to be a useful screening threshold. And we would recommend a specific target of less than 16% demonstrated by some across the medical literature may be useful when a serum ferritin result is equivocal. The last test looking at ferritin and its metabolism involves the measurement of soluble transferrin receptors. These are found on the surface of developing red blood cells and can be detected in the serum. Iron deficiency prompts an increase in receptor density and an associated rise in the transferrin receptor concentration. This has been suggested as an alternative to conventional laboratory tests of iron deficiency. There is good accuracy comparing soluble transferrin receptors with ferritin, but its clinical value in detecting iron deficiency has not been borne out in robust studies defining its overall accuracy. And there is difficulty in standardizing the results and reference materials. Some suggest that this is not a useful test in early stages of iron deficiency, and we cannot recommend its current use in the investigation of iron deficiency. The last test looking indirectly at iron metabolism is the zinc protoporphyrin or ZPP. Iron is incorporated into the porphyrin ring of hemoglobin in the final steps of synthesis. A reduction in available iron allows uptake of zinc instead, with ZPP being produced as a measurable byproduct. ZPP has important limitations with elevations being found in the presence of hyperbilirubinemia and chronic renal failure. Also, any cause of anemia with a hemoglobin less than 100 grams per litre leads to a progressive spurious increase in ZPP, making it a less useful test with misleading elevations being caused by hyperbilirubinemia and chronic renal failure. Also, any other cause of anemia as the hemoglobin falls less than 100 grams per litre will lead to artificial rise in the ZPP, making it not useful for further investigation of causes of this anemia. Our recommendation is that in the current UK laboratory setting, ZPP should not be used as a reliable measure or in the diagnosis of iron deficiency anemia. Fortunately, there is a new test, the measurement of hepcidin, that may help alleviate all the pre-analytical and analytical variables that the other measures of iron deficiency and iron metabolism give us. Hepcidin is produced in the liver in response to different iron levels, inflammation, and erythropoietic demand. Inflammation triggers a rise in hepcidin concentration, inhibiting iron release from macrophages, enterocytes, and hepatocytes. Conversely, in iron deficiency, as iron levels fall, synthesis of hepcidin is inhibited. Such measurements make hepcidin a useful putative diagnostic tool to assess iron status and response to oral iron therapy. Although, as with other iron indices, there are confounders such as diurnal variation. 
at the current time. Hepcidin tends to be measured by mass spectrometry or radioimmunoassay techniques. These are very specific, but their availability is low. Also, the need for expensive equipment make it difficult to recommend these in current UK practice. However, over the past few years, a new enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay-based method has become available that may make the routine testing of hepcidin much more widespread and a much use more useful test. As such, at the current time, we cannot recommend its use in normal clinical practice, but with further work and research, the understanding of hepcidin and its more widespread use of a hepcidin assay should allow a recommendation for its more routine use in the diagnosis of iron deficiency in the future, but we cannot do so at the current time. In summary, we have worked through the evidence about the laboratory investigations and the techniques available currently in the UK for the diagnosis of iron deficiency. We have demonstrated that there are no differences in its metabolism in adults and children, and the advantages and pitfalls of the different methods in its measurement from the simple parameters within the full blood count to measurements of ferritin and other ferritin related variables and also how the zinc protoporphyrin is not a currently useful test. We've also demonstrated that there is a new test with hepcidin that should help guide us all and improve how we diagnose iron deficiency anemia in the future. This guideline is particularly pertinent as the British Society of Gastroenterologists have recently published a guideline on the treatment of iron deficiency anemia and there remains in place good and useful guidelines published by the BSH about iron deficiency diagnosis and management in the situation of pregnant women. Thank you very much for listening to me today talk about our good practice paper on the diagnosis of iron deficiency in adults and children within the laboratory setting. Thank you very much.